Welcome to Squad, the leadership and high performance podcast that aims to help you change your game through inspirational stories and insights from some of the most fascinating people around. My guest today is an athlete with more than two decades of competitive experience, competing with and learning from Olympic, World, European and Commonwealth champions. With high octane motorsports driving his passions, I'm delighted to be joined by performance leader, Andrew Cohen-Ray. Andrew, welcome. Thank you. Great How much do I owe you for that introduction? <laughs> well, you already said you were slipping a, a, a score in a post, didn't you? I'm, I'm waiting for that That's to it. actually arrive. The post That's is on, uh, on strike it. at the moment, it would seem. I've not received that yet, but I'm sure you're good for your word. It's been furloughed. Um, I'm yeah, never going to do you justice, Andy. Um, you and I have known you uh, in an intro, I mean. You and I have known each other for a little while now. So just for those that are listening, um, tell them about you and what you've done and, and sort of what you're what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, thanks for that, Simon. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, so yeah, Andy Co-Ray, um, I work as a, a mental performance coach, um, a bit like sports psychology, but I didn't do the degree when I was at school or at university. Um, education wasn't my thing, so I kind of relearned my trade, uh, which is really good. Um, so yeah, very fortunate to work in a in a world of different arenas from sort of athletics, um, sort of working with Olympic level athletes down to down to Joe Jogger. Um, I've actually met Joe. I don't know who she is or he is, but um, but yeah, working with you know grassroots through to Olympic level and then uh, in the motorsport world, I'm very fortunate to work with uh, Formula One drivers all the way down to sort of go karters and everything in between. Um, I'm a racing driver myself. Um, some say I'm a bit of a tame racing driver, but um, I'm learning to be a bit bit less tame and a bit more aggressive, which is really good. And um, yeah, I also do business performance uh, with my business partner, um, who's a Paralympian, Danny Crates, um, with 1404 Performance. So we go into businesses and look at how sort of individuals tick and operate and how we bring those individuals together to create high performing teams. Um, so yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell, really. I guess. Don't know if I've done myself any justice, but <laughs> hey hum. <laughs> that is what it is, Andy. No, that's great. Thank you for the intro. Um, the reason why I wanted you on this is because this podcast really is about mindset, leadership, and and high performance. Um, and in the context of 1404, that's obviously what you do um, in the context of working with the people that you do in a sport, particularly. And I know there's other sports that you've done, uh, you know, in, in the athletics world outside of motorsport. But where we were discussing before this about those sort of those fine margins and what it is that takes you to that level. So what to you, Andy, does high performance mean? Yeah, that is that is a really good question, isn't it, Simon? And you only sprung that on me five minutes ago. Apologies. So it's um, have, having that, um, yeah, having that brain space to think about that while I'm trying to think of an introduction as well <laughs> and try not to swear at the same time is 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 really challenging. But um, yeah, high performance is all relative, isn't it? It's um, it's relative to the individual, I believe. Um, probably going to get shot down but um i th i think it's it's all relative it's you know high performance is doing is doing what you do to the best of your ability kind of with what you've got i believe um and that's like i say it's all relative so what is um you know high performance could be seen or deemed as you know elite level sport or you know olympics formula 1 um premiership football you know that kind of stuff um but i think i think everybody's a performer in their own right we all we all perform day to day um and it's around doing that kind of better than we did yesterday and you know working towards 
doing it better tomorrow. So I think as, as long as you're constantly improving, reviewing and working towards something, then I, I kind of believe you're a, you're a high performer, um, whether that's doing a couch to 5K. Um, it's all relative to us. We're not all going to be Olympic, you know, world record holders or something like that. So it's kind of it's, it's doing what you can with what you've got and doing it well and better than yesterday, I believe. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I wouldn't disagree, and and it is relative. It's very subjective, also. Um, but I think twenty twenty particularly, and actually, I think prior to twenty twenty, but twenty twenty has accentuated this feeling. I feel that people feel like they're constantly underachieving, um, and this is, of course, uh, amplified now with social media um, and the way that people portray themselves many people portray themselves as you know the perfect lives but <clears throat> what is it that through full scene for your your learning and that you're delivering that that makes a difference to those people's to, to people's high performance and their ability to, to take what they do to the next level perhaps or just be better at what they do how does that look yeah it looks it looks very different today to what it did a year and a half ago um massively um and and to be fair it's been really hard work because we are the the kind of the, um the 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 danny and andy show or dna as we call ourselves like the dna of high performance danny and andy um works best in a room um and the magic really happens when we're stood side by side together work in a room and and that's where the real magic and power happens so not having that ability at the moment is really, really hard work. Um, and we've done some stuff during lockdowns where we could get together and deliver um, and it, it, it works really well. But even doing it on Zoom or Teams is a real struggle. We're kind of, we're really missing that, that human connection and that real kind of live feedback that we would get. Um, you know, and you, it's, it's hard to tell if your jokes are landing or if it's, you know, it's, you're just not getting that feedback. You're just, it's really, really hard work. So it's, you know, it's changed massively, but um, and like I say, we're all missing that human connection. We're all missing those, those kind of conversations around the, around the coffee shop or around the, the water cooler and stuff like that. And it's um, working on, working on that. We're losing a lot of creativity. We're finding in businesses and, you know, a lot of probably of those business deals aren't being done so much because it's normally we'd have a day at work. We go down the, you know, we go down the pub after work, have a beer. And, you know, that's when the magic happens. A lot of these, sort of big big deals are done so it's um it's really really strange times really strange times but us it's um you know it's all about keep keeping people inspired um having something to work towards is massively important you've got to have a you've got to have a goal you've got to have a vision you've got to have a focus no matter how small or big that is um you've got to be constantly reviewing those and you know learning from it um but it is just really genuinely strange times you know we, we were doing sessions the other week where we're, we're all working you know from home as such but you've got some people are in the office some people aren't in the office and you know it's it's, it's just really I, really weird I, I hate it to be fair I just I'm, I'm such a kind of people person um I just yeah I miss I miss people um which is weird but it's um it's hard work but we just got to adapt and and kind of crack on and do what we can with what we've got so it's um it's hard for everybody it's not just us um and that's it we've had to change our mindset towards it the way in which we work um, we've had to adapt and you know thrive and survive and 
and we're doing it you know but it's it's not easy we don't not every day we're upbeat and it's it's hard um you know we're spending a lot more time on our own so our kind of our in our internal dialogue is is running away with us because for some people that's the only people we get to talk to now so if you kind of if you're not in a good space yourself and you, you're going to have a world of negativity running around your head and, and those little niggles that normally would just be little niggles and you brush them off kind of manifest into much bigger things which which makes it hard work and then you've got to be upbeat and bouncy when you're you know do, doing things like this and it's it's really hard work i i get it completely um but tough times it's um hopefully it's like the end of the tunnel yeah, I think what you've um, what you've really brilliantly done there, Andy, is kind of encapsulate, I suppose, what many people are feeling, right? So you know that feeling that you you've had to adapt and change the mindset, coming from the position that you're in, which was you know high performance, which we'll tap into much more later on in terms of the people that you work with, um, and you know the, the the achievements that you've accomplished. accomplished. Um, when you work with these, uh, with, with people that you're, you know, through through fourteen oh four performance, um, what is it that you're telling them they should be doing in order to change their own mindset? Because the, what you've just described there, in terms of people working from home, it's all very disparate. Um, it's not front of house or face to face. Which you know, people listen to this podcast mainly. I would suggest are that type of individual and the DNA uh, to use your, your, your phrase also is, is for people to be like that. What are you, what are you advising? How do you change your mindset to uh, allow and provision, you know, really the best performance possible, particularly in the current climate? Yeah. Good, yeah. So a really good question. Sam. So we, we, we have um, a high performance model, which we use, um, I'll, I'll very quickly run you through that. It's, it's, it's quite simple, but um, yeah, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, se seven steps on this model. It's really, really, um, it's quite simple. And we, we use the model in two ways. So if people are coming to us with a problem, um, we sort of start at one end and work our way back, use it as a bit of a, a bit of a toolbox and a manual of, of, of problem, problem finding, problem solving. And then uh, when we're creating high performance, we start at the very, very beginning. Um, and work our way back to to the other end as such so, we, so it goes both ways which is really cool and it's something that um having been around high performers probably most of my career having been a you know a high performer in my own right in various roles and you know things like that um it's, it's just taking all of that learning knowledge and understanding then put it into a few you know six seven words that people can kind of tap into and get those little sections right that ultimately will bring high performance so so when we start on the i say start on the left i don't know why i put my hand up nobody can see me um but we start on the left so we start with language um and then we have attitude then we have behaviors um so starting at language we, we kind of have three um three types of language i guess and i don't mean rude and swearing and that kind of stuff you've got your you've, you've kind of got your your internal language your internal dialogue how you talk to yourself um, we've got how we talk to each other so kind of how we're communicating now and then you've also got body language um so you've got those three types of language now your kind of your internal language is what drives your attitude which is your your kind of mindset towards or your your kind of your thoughts and feelings towards something or somebody and then that attitude is then what drives your behaviors and that's kind of so kind of what you're thinking in here kind of is expressed through a behavior sort of a reaction to somebody or something so 
then that goes into so language attitude behavior it's got to be positive as much as you can be um, we're not expecting you to be positive polys 24 7 because that's exhausting you do need some downtime and it's it's okay not to be okay um you know i'm not bouncing like tigger on speed every day of the week i have my bad days i have my good days i'll have a bad half an hour i'll have a an old man nap and i'll recover and i'll get going again um so yeah i can't expect anybody to be absolutely driving at 300 miles an hour all the time you're, you're going to crash so you do need to slow down a little bit and just recover recoup um so yeah language attitude behavior positive as much as we can be um and then we get into culture and environment um because the kind of language attitude behavior kind of individual bits if that makes sense that's the the individual then those individuals come together at work at play as a team as a group and that kind of affects your culture and environment um We've probably all heard of mood hoovers. We get a lot of them in the corporate world. Um, I'm sure there's other names. So if somebody, you know, you've had a really good weekend and then the other individual comes in and their goldfish has passed away and they're feeling a bit down and sad or they've had to paint the fence or they've, you know, whatever's going on in their world. And they kind of bring that to the party at work and you're just like, oh, here we go. Um, but then your kind of attitude and mindset towards the negative Nellies, like, oh, here they come again. What's it going to be? What's the trauma today? Um, and that affects your, your, your kind of your, your environment and your culture that you're working in. Then that ultimately then is the next step is performance. So performance, we look at two ways, mental performance, physical performance. Um, they're kind of fairly self-explanatory. And then after your performance is your results. So kind of if you get your language, attitude, behavior right, that will drive the you know positive. If that's positive, that will drive the right culture and environment um, and surrounding yourself with positive people who've got the same attitude and mindset, things like that. Um, it's good for your culture and environment. That drives performance then you get results um so then going the other way if, if we get somebody you know business say just look, we, our team's not performing we're not getting results we go right is it a is it a mental thing is it a, a physical thing um is it the culture environment and is it the individual's attitudes behaviors mindsets and stuff like that that's going on so that's kind of um how that works so going back to your going back to your question which i hope i remember is sort of how do we kind of get this stuff going we we, we literally go back to the basics of how we talk to ourselves, because that's where it all starts that's where the seed's sown so kind of getting it right inside your own head is then what's going to drive the right attitude and mindset towards what you've got going on in the world um so kind of getting that getting that internal dialogue right is what's going to drive the right attitude and mindset and then your behaviors that you're then going to take to work or play or school or whatever that is so yeah in kind of answer to that it's getting the uh getting the the, the kind of that verbal internal dialogue right inside your own head to make sure it's positive and you've got something to look forward to you're driving the right the, the right attitudes really if that makes sense yeah no it does and i think that there's two things there um andy that i, I want to tap into if i can um and the first one and quite quite obviously i suppose because it's very literal in there in the world in which you primarily exist is the is the speed um element mm -hmm. and it's become very apparent to me in in people i speak with um and books that i read and and, and people that i i listen to that there's never been a time that's more um, sort obviously about in leadership terms about the speed in which you lead or at which you lead and and how you're able to bring people with you as a leader um, and how if you're running at that or or driving at the wrong speed you can lose people also um, that the period of reflection at 2020 has given many people um, is allowing them to sit back and think about how they do things. 
And I think a lot of the reason why people find the, the high performance side so sort of so tricky is perhaps they're running or driving or or you know performing at that wrong speed. Um, and, yeah. and subsequently you're you're feeling like you might never get to that point because you're always underachieving, if that makes sense. Is that something that you that you see in in the you know the, the people that you work with you know literally your car drivers but also in athletics other high performance and people that you work with? Yes, it's interesting that because um, people think going fast is good. People think going you, you, if you're high performer you go everywhere flat out, and that's not that's not the case. Um, there's a really good video on YouTube um, of George Russell, the Williams Formula One driver doing a, a kind of a live running commentary while he's doing a, a, a fast lap. Um, and I think it was out in Russia, if I remember rightly. Um, but he's, he's basically talking you through his drive, um, which he's doing absolutely flat out. Um, so he's doing well over 300 kilometers an hour, you know, a couple hundred miles an hour. Um, and because of the kind of the mental bandwidth he's got, he's actually going really slowly in his head, which has given him time. So even though he's actually moving fast in his head, it's really slow, which is then given him time because of the, the planning and preparation, all the training, all the sim work and stuff like that. They're so well prepared. They're so, they're, they, they know where they're going. They know what they're doing. So even though the car's going, you know, flat out, actually inside, they're going really, really slow, which gives them time. So, and, and to give you an example of that, he turns onto the straight and the straight's quite long, but he's looking up at a red Ferrari flag about four or 500 meters away to look at the direction that the flag's flying. And also if it's kind of limp or it's, you know, it's flying vigorously to give him an indication of what the wind's like when he gets to that next left-hand corner. And, you know, and I sat down, I was just like, how is he doing that for me i'd be hanging on to the thing going jesus christ this is really fast um but it's just it's so slow that he's able to take in all that information and data um and i say he's looking at how how hard the flag's flying and which direction he's flying so he knows if he can break a bit later or a bit earlier because of the wind is going to make a difference to aerodynamics and you're kind of like that's really impressive. So kind of going fast isn't the be all and end all. It's kind of when you're in that zone and Michael Schumacher spoke about it when he raced at Monaco. He said when he, um, I think maybe he won at Monaco and he was like, everything just slowed right down. And I was just going through, it was just so easy. It just, it was coming. I knew where I was going, what I was doing. It was just, it was just like slow motion. So kind of going fast isn't really the way forward. If, you, if you're going flat out, that kind of suggests that things aren't, probably going as well as they should be either you're not you haven't got enough planning or preparation or there's other stuff going on um i guess stresses anxiety variables being thrown into it all so yeah i, th I think going fast isn't the way forward it's kind of training preparation planning helps slow you down you can take in more data more information then and then go longer faster quicker i guess so, so I'm going to try and use an analogy here because your one was brilliant right so i'm going to try and use one uh, which i use a lot see if it makes sense in a, in, in, there are films, right? So in a film scenario, you've got somebody who's walking down a street, something's occurred to him, right? He, he or she, they, they've thought about something because, and, and it's probably triggered by trauma, right? And they stop in the middle of the road, they stop and they are motionless. But everything around them is whizzing past. The cars are whizzing past and people walking past them very quickly. Um, in the sky, there might be a, a helicopter running around. So every, the world is, is literally moving around them, but they're fixed. 
And whatever it is that's triggered their mind has got them thinking about whatever it is they're thinking about. They have stopped. They're, they are observing what's going on whilst the whole world is rushing around them. How do you get yourself in that mental position where you have just stopped and, um, and that million miles an hour that you've been working at for whatever reason it is, um, and in, you know, roles which are required permanently to be, you know, incessantly based around sales, which in recruitment particularly is, or, um, you know, genuinely there is a need for speed. How do you get yourself in that? What what allows you to stop? Because if it's your DNA to continue moving at that speed, it's quite a struggle, isn't it, to get yourself to go, do you know what? I am actually going to stop. I am going to look around. I am going to watch everybody go around me and not be afraid that they're that I'm going at a different pace. How how do you do that? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, when you when you talk about the trauma bit, there's we we, we talk about the the kind of the amygdala and the old part of the brain and the fight, flight, and freeze. Um kind of processes so sometimes when there is a trauma we do freeze as part of that and that's kind of when you know you know when you sometimes you're not paying attention you step out in front of a bus and you're just like oh and you're like oh but everything's still carried around and you've got that kind of um that matrix moment where you're just like oh, you try to like stop the bus um so yes yeah, so and that, that kind of triggers through a trauma but that's obviously not what you don't want to be in a space at work where you've got that firing off because it's actually quite, um, it's quite exhausting. It's quite, you know, if, if you've got your brain firing off and it wants to be fighting or, or running away all the time or, or freezing, that takes a lot of kind of psychological energy. So you don't want to be in that space, but it's, um, you know, slowing yourself down to go faster. Um, you've, you've got to be, again, it all comes down to planning and preparation. You've got to know where you're going, what you're doing, how you're going to get there. Um, and then once you've got that all in place, that then kind of gives you that mental bandwidth to then kind of slow down a little bit, observe, and then take in, take in more data and information to then move forward. Um, so, yeah, like I say, going flat out everywhere is is not good. You're, you're going to crash. That's inevitable because you're going to come to a corner or a junction at work, at business and whatever, where you're, you're not going to stop um, and you're going to hit a brick wall. And, you know, there's things, there's a lot of um, stuff around burnout these days. And But it is just running flat out everywhere. You're going to run out of energy. You're going to run out of something and you're going to hit a brick wall and it's not going to be pretty. Um, so kind of doing, again, it comes down to planning and preparation. It's, 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 that's key to everything. So, and, you know, and surrounding yourself with good people as well. You know, Lewis Hamilton isn't, um, you know, it's not as much as it feels like the Lewis Hamilton show, but there is, there's hundreds and hundreds of people and thousands back at the office at the factory that are all there doing a particular role, a particular job to make sure he can go round as, as quick as he can. So kind of surrounding yourself with good people who can, you know, take on some of that work or support you with some of that work is, is massively important. And whether you need to offload on those people as well, that's important. Talk about what's going on. Communication is key in that role. You know, talking is good um, about everything, mental health, work, life, everything. Um, the more talking we do, I, th I think the better the world will be. Um, so yeah, it's just going flat out isn't isn't the answer, but um, but planning and preparation is key to performance. Well, you've absolutely and perfectly segued uh, into what was going to be my next thought. So you're either reading my mind or um, or you knew what was coming. Um, 
the I mean, and let, let's um, you know, let's not make this the Lewis Hamilton show, but you know, you can't really have a, a, a you know a session like this without mentioning him. Um, newly appointed um, Knight of the Realm as well, um, obviously. The, the the surrounding yourself with the right people, um, I think, is absolutely crucial. And I, I think again, you know, it, there's nothing. Uh, it's not groundbreaking news that that should be the case, but I do think as leaders, there is a, it's almost, I wouldn't, it is an expectation to a certain extent, I think, a self-imposed expectation that maybe you should be able to, you know, you can do everything yourself. But as you say, Lewis Hamilton wouldn't be the, you know, the, the world record breaking, you know, motor uh, F1 driver that he is now without that support in the background. The people building the cars, the people watching the laps, the people talking to him in his ear, earpiece. Now, you know significantly more than I do about that, obviously. But in terms of building yourself a, a support network, again, this is slightly subjective, so it's a quite a tricky question, I suppose. But what should, how do people do that? What is it they should be looking for? Are there, are there traits that they need to, in all instances, go and seek from other people that would that allow them to fulfil their own potential? Yeah, another good question. So it's kind of... Um... You know, um, as much as we won't talk about Lewis, but you know, he's um, he's not an overnight success. He's been racing for thirty. I don't even know how old he is. That's how interested I am in Lewis. Um, he's he's got to be, you know, what is he? Thirty four, thirty five. He's he's been racing for thirty years. Um, you know, he's he's been in the business longer than I've been in business, um, and that takes. It takes a long time to get the right people around you. And that's through, I guess, a bit of trial and error. But, you know, the more we're aware of how people tick and operate, and it's something Danny and I do, you know, first thing we do with people we work with is, is understand how they take in information, how they take in data on a sensory level. Um, so we can find that balance of people that hear, see, hear, see, feel, things like that. So getting that right does take time you've got to build those relationships you can't just go right i'm going to take dave johnny trevor karen tracy and put them all together and the magic happens you've got to find the fit but they've also got to be good at their job obviously they've got to be the best in the business at their job and and then you kind of get into kind of friendships and relationships and we have this ding dong quite regularly within businesses and people think they have a friendship at work you know so i could be working with you and the thing with the friendship is is that you both have to mutually like each other 50 percent, and it's actually that's not the case we, we go to work and there's people we just don't like and it's okay. And we, we had this conversation recently and this lady was like, yes, but they're my friends. And I'm like, no, they don't like you. They're just, you're in a working relationship. That's what brutal. it is. You know, it's brutal. Yeah, it's true. Um, but you don't have to, you know, you don't necessarily have to get on. You've just got to understand how people tick and operate and how you can work alongside that person. You don't have to know what their aunt Nelly's up to at the weekend you know you've just got to know that they're the best at what they do and how to work and deal with them um but that comes with time building relationships it's not an overnight thing you know Usain Bolt he's not an overnight success he's been racing 20 odd years you know it's just he wins the right races on the right day at the right time that's that's all it is that's the magic to success that's the magic of winning um he's lost more races than he's ever won but he just happens to win the biggest race on the planet in the fastest time ever it's not not rocket science no, um, no, no but again that comes with training planning preparation 
Yeah, no, well, and you're right. And, uh, you know, if we're lo looking at sporting sort of analogies and examples, probably of of one of the best teams ever and uh, to have produced um, success in the way that you've just described it there is probably the class of, what, 92, was it? Man United. Um, and you look at the team, it was for the Beckham and the Nevilles and, and Roy Keane and um, all of those kind of guys. And barely any of them speak to each other anymore. Um, but it was all about yeah. working alongside each other for a common goal um, and working towards exactly. that purpose. And if they didn't speak with each other at the end of the game, um, certainly Sir Alex Ferguson didn't care. Um, and they were bought into the process of, yeah, we might not like each other. Now, some of them clearly do. The Beckham, you know, Beckham mm -hmm. and the Nevilles um, and, and, and Nicky Butt and Skulls, they, they've gone on to do other things together. But in the main, you're right, you know, it's not necessarily about building friendships, it's about working with people who suit your needs. They might, you know, uh, Cantona, for example, was only able to do what he did because you had people working behind him who did all the dirty work and it just mm -hmm. allowed him all that time to go and do what he, you know, what he subsequently went and did. Um, and, and that's how it needs to be looked. If you look at it from a football point of view, a rugby, a cricket or whatever, that's um, that, that's a great way to look at teamwork and surrounding yourself with pe your, your, your peers, but that complement yeah. what you do. Absolutely. Yeah, you just need to be surrounded by the right people to do the right job and deliver the best performance on the right day. That's what it is. You know, we've we done some stuff at McLaren with the... Um, uh, with the IndyCar project with Fernando Alonso, you know, and you've got the Americans across the pond, you've got, you've got our guys over here, and it's how we bring them all together for the purpose of getting him round. Well, he didn't get round because of a car problem, but um, how to get him round, you know, 500 laps. You know, that's that's it. That's the common goal is getting that car round 500 laps as quick as we can. And it's, it's how we bring all those right people, even though we're not in the same room, even in the same country on the same continent. Um, and that's kind of the magic of what we do. It's, it's bringing those people together for the benefit of somebody to drive around in a circle pretty fast. Um, and like you say, you don't have to like them. They bring, they bring their own cultures. They, they bring their own attitudes and things. And we just have to learn to get on with them and work with it rather than fight it and just put all our energy into that goal, not, not the, 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 the kind of the relationship stuff, if that makes sense, or the friendship stuff. You know, yeah, they're absolutely. pain in the backside, they're pain in the backside. So I want to I want to tap into now. Um, so what makes a difference that you've seen in in athletics, in which you know you, you've achieved you know elite medal winning standard yourself, and driving, both of which I would look at and be and really put fine margins as the underpinning element of what defines somebody from being really good and elite that you've seen. Um, is there is there like a common one common trait um, and one thing that unless you have this you'll never get from being really good to elite or do you think it's a combination if it is a combination what generally speaking might those sort of uh, combinations look like yeah it's good the uh, I think the sports ir irrelevant really um, I always talk about what I do I, I just talk about human be in performance you know certainly from a psychology point of view the sport is irrelevant I don't I, I can't play football for toffee but I can make a football team play better if that makes sense or I could bring them together as a team better um, same as rugby I can't play rugby um, I can't play most sports to be fair um, but I don't need to know that um, I do a lot of work with golfers I can't play golf for toffee 
um, but I can make them play better. Um, so again, it's all down to understanding the human being, but I think the difference between being good and, and very good, quite simply, is who wants it the most. It's just, if it's coming down to you and me in a sprint finish, it's mine all day long. I kind of look at it, you know, I go back to my firearms days in the police and we, we kind of have a, you know, it's, it's like shot or be shot. So, you know, I want to go home to my family. If you point a gun at me, it's, it's game over, I'm afraid. Um, you know, it's I, I want it more. So it's kind of, it's, it does come down to winning is, is, is pretty much who wants it the most and who's prepared to work harder or who's prepared to work the hardest to get it the most. And it's just that it's not giving up. It's that resilience. It's that, you know, it's, it's those kinds of things that come into it. But yeah, the difference between being good and great is, is, is who wants it the most and who's prepared to work the hardest to get there, quite simply. Yeah, and and, and the hard work underpins, um, you know, it has to underpin any, you know, significant yeah. success. The bit that it's I planning like to, and preparation, yeah. Yeah, no, we're back to planning and preparation, actually. Now, resilience is a really is a really key word at the moment. It's being banded about a lot. Um, in, in many instances, it's almost becoming a badge of honour. You know, if you, you, you've survived 2020 and your, your business is still here, you're still here, your family's still okay, and you've battled against all the odds, you know, um, and, and so subsequently you are resilient. How do you think that is impacting on people's mental health? And this isn't a, a podcast about mental health particularly, but... There has to be something, surely, where that resilience, and it goes down to you, you know, metaphorically, um, when you mentioned about the crashing. How, how are you seeing that? Is that something that is now, as a result of last year, potentially a build-up to it prior to it anyway, manifesting itself in people considering that they're being resilient, but actually are just breaking themselves down? Um, and if that is the case, how do you prevent that? Yes, kind of resilience is all about the, uh, I, I kind of use a ruler analogy, really. Resilience is about how much you can be flexed and then kind of bounce back, if that makes sense. So if you can get a plastic ruler and, you know, yeah. you, you, you want to be bent as much as you can and then you, you go back to normal or whatever normal is. Um, and obviously, if you, if, you, if you bend it too much, it'll snap and you break. And you, so you've got to find that fine line of just bending and, and, and kind of flexing back. Um, and it's, it's kind of resilience is that response to that stress and that um, trauma and things like that. So it's, it's a real difficult one. You know, are we really... It's hard. I get it. And for some people, it's harder than others. I get that. Every individual's kind of... But all we're being asked to do is work from home. All, all we're being asked to do is stay at home. And it's kind of, and yes, I get we're missing that human contact and we're, you know, we're a little bit more restricted, but it's, it's not like we're in a cell 365 days with, with one hours, you know, it's, it's a very different lockdown to that of a prison. And it's, um, you know, things like that. It's, there's, there's a lot of variables that are affecting people. I completely get that. And mental health is very different because a lot of people aren't comfortable in their own heads. So they, they will struggle and, you know, suicide is through the roof at the moment. Um, because people are struggling it's because we can't see a way out we can't see what you know it's we, we don't know it's all these unknown variables that we just can't get our heads around so that's why we're struggling really with that and, and certainly with the covid situation it's just there's no there's no end in sight you know it's all oh, schools may go back in february 
but they might not. And we can't, because there's no finish line, we've got nothing to work towards. And, and, and we need that kind of as, as performance, as high performance, we need that. We need something to focus on and to get our teeth into, and we need to tick off the days and, you know, ready, ready to, to get back out again. So that's really hard. So yeah, mental health is, is rife at the moment. And it's, and because we're not, seeing people we're missing a lot of that you know I know I can see you on screen at the moment but you know we, we can't really see the body language that's going on that tells us if we're really okay or we're not okay and so we're missing a lot and we're missing a lot of those um those kind of triggers I guess that you would ordinarily see if you were walking around the office you'd see somebody and go oh Tracy doesn't quite look herself is that something you know are you okay um and we can put a front on because we only we only see each other for an hour. So it's like I can I can put on a brave face for an hour. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good, Simon. I'm, I'm buzzing. It's all good. It's all good. But it's actually a complete mind fest out there. You know, you got to go back and there's the kids, the dogs, and everything. You're like, ah, um, it's a proper mess. And I and I get that. Um, but you know, it's it's on a, on a level of resilience and trauma. It's kind of is it really? And again, I'm probably going to get shot down. But is it really that bad? I don't know. For some people, yes. For others, not. You know, there's a lot of people that have got relatives and stuff that are dying. And I, I completely sympathize with that and empathize with that. That's, that's real stuff going on. I get that. But for the most of us that are all OK and healthy, it's um, we've just been asked to stay at home. That's fine. I can do that. I'm quite happy in my own head. <laughs> but others aren't. And I get that. And it's, it's very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. So, so, so looking at it, Andy, from a, you know, a high performance, coming at it from a high performance angle, how has the experience of 2020 left you feeling? Um, a bit battered, to be fair. Um, you know, I'll be brutally honest. I'm not... Um, you know, I've got I've got my own kind of mental health stuff going on, and um, I know we're going to talk about that much later on. But um, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy completely. It's um, it's been really hard because again, there's no. We've had kind of lots of ups and downs. We got really, you know, we had the first lockdown. We we're like, right, we can deal with that. We're homeschooling. It's fine. And then it's like, right, we're now back out again. And you're like, right, okay, we've got a, got a bit of normality again, you know, and it's kind of, you know, with me and Danny are back in a room together. We're delivering. We're starting to get things going again. Then suddenly you get another kick in the what's-its and you're like, oh, ouch, that hurt. And you kind of like, so you sit down, readjust again. We get all the online stuff going up and running again. And then you're like, ah, oh, right, okay, we're going again now. And then you're like, you get going again and it's like, bang, another kick in the, you're like, oh, for crying out loud. Um, and it's been hard. It's it's hard taking a kick in. It really is. Um, I know it's a kind of a mental metaphorical kick in, but it is. Um, it does feel like you're getting a kick in, and it is really really hard work because you're like, when are we going to be able to get back to, you know, working with people and doing stuff? And when when can we do this? Um, oh, Dan is phoning me. Sorry about that. Um, and it's just it's things like, um, you know, how when, when are we going to get back to? We don't know, and that's really hard to stay focused, motivated, and things like that. And it's you know it's hard to inspire others when when you don't know yourself. You know, it's really really hard. Um, so yeah, it has been has been really tough, and I miss I miss the Danny and Andy show. I miss kind of standing in a room with him and doing what we do best that's been hard um but it but it is what it is we, we you know we talk about control the controllables there's nothing we could do about it so we've got to kind of control what we can control and not worry about what we can't control so we kind of as a high performer we go well we can't do that so let's focus on this and we created a whole online education program for schools and for teachers and we wouldn't have had the time to do that ordinarily so it's kind of it's given us a lot of time to do a lot of different things where we can benefit 
other sectors and different people, which is which is awesome. You know, we were doing Friday lunch clubs. We would have a, a virtual lunch club every Friday. We had random people all around the world just coming in for an hour and just chatting rubbish, really. But it was just it was great. We just, you know, some really good business deals have been done out of those and great networking. It was just it was just getting people together and just having a chat and just let's have lunch. What have you got for lunch today? You know, here's my tuna salad and somebody in Marbella has got their paella and somebody in, you know, America's got whatever. And it's really cool. Um, but again, that's stuff we wouldn't have done. So there's been lots of good learning, you know, and we've we've kind of we've been pushed quite hard and we've had to push each other quite hard because we're all, you know, in a tough place. But it's there's lots of learnings which are positive. So it's kind of taking those and getting ready for when we can get back to normal. Um, whatever that's going to look like. I don't know. Am I going to yeah, wear well, a face mask for the rest of my life? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, like, who knows um, where that's concerned. I think. You know, you mentioned about your own sort of mental health journey. I think uh, it'd be quite a pertinent and, and poignant time now to sort of succinctly go through that. Um, could you tell us, Annie, like what what you know the achievements that you've that you've personally made are quite significant. You know, in the fields that you that you've operated in. So, an understanding of exactly what it is that you've achieved it would be would be fantastic. And and after that, you could look at it and you could think, well, you know. That that surely is can only be positive. So could you just let us know what it is that you you know that you, you you've done, and then subsequently what it is that you know sub- then started that mental health slide, if you like, and 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 subsequently what what you've done to address it. Yeah, so oh, there's a world of stuff there, isn't it? Yeah, so we got got another three hours of talking now. So we could, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it Not quite, but yeah, not quite, but yeah, I'll. I'll crack on as quick as we can. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I've competed 28 years, um, you know, racing around the world, which is good. Um, picked up national titles along the way. Um, more county titles sort of cross country, 800, 1500 than, than I care to think about. So, you know, as, as an athlete, I was, I was good. Um, I wasn't great, um, but I had to work for a living at the same time. You know, I was, I was quite on that cusp of, of being sort of full time and things like that. I wasn't quite there because um, like I, said, I had to start working for a living and I, I joined the police and things like that. And trying to hold down, you know, 100, 120 miles a week whilst working, um, doing all of that is just um, somebody else's phoning me. Sorry. Oh, Christ. Um, so yeah doing all of those things is just really really hard work um whilst you know trying to be physically and, and, and mentally in a space to to do everything um it's, it's just really really hard work so I kind of never really fulfilled my, my my athletics ambitions I guess but you know as an old man later on in life when I started doing master's athletics so then you know then got to travel again around the world and you know, win some good races pick up some good titles and it was all good um you know driving wise I've driven some very very fast cars and, and racing cars and there's a couple of trophies behind me which nobody can see that I picked up I this can. season I, in my, in my first so you can see that yeah I've got my cap and the champagne it's all good um so yes yeah, so I you know I can drive well I can race well um you know, kind of everything I've done, I guess, has been at a at a higher level. So when I was in the police, I was I was doing firearm stuff, I was doing rule protection stuff. So again, you're operating at the kind of the, the top end. I was driving the fastest cars the force had. Um, I was working at Heathrow doing VIP royalty driving. So I was moving the most important people in the world around the airfield when they visited the UK, driving kings, queens, princesses, um, Dalai Lama celebrities um i can name drop but i won't but your beckhams your dalai you know it's arnold schwarzenegger's 
yes so it's really cool people um you're, you're meeting some really really cool people and it was the you know it was the job to have really at Heathrow because you are meeting the, the best people in the world you know um which is really cool um you know I was, I was working for a Porsche specialist so I was driving really nice cars really fast cars and things like that which is all good um but the you know go, going on you know it's, it's not all rosy going on to the mental health stuff you know um it, through my police time I saw a lot of a lot of horrific stuff worked on a lot of sort of horrific jobs and um things like that and you know nearly 10 years of service I saw 180 odd bodies um, and that had an impact on my mental health I was on a stereotypical male team where it was fast cars big guns tattoos sort of beer drink cars women um, it was great but it, we, we couldn't sustain that and, it, and it, I didn't have the ability to talk about the, the, the kind of the crap I was seeing and dealing with you know uh, whether that was murders suicides train crashes you know worked on potter's bar train crash the Soham murders all these kinds of things lots of horrific stuff um that you've got to put somewhere and i didn't put it somewhere very well um in 2007 I ended up with something called dissociative amnesia so my kind of my brain dissociated from all the bad stuff by forgetting um but it didn't take just the bad stuff it took everything so it kind of wiped 30 years of memory so i was 30 years old and i didn't have a clue um don't remember growing up don't remember going to school don't remember work family kids the whole lot gone done um and then for two years i lived with a 24 48 hour memory because it was kind of the the capacity to retain stuff just wasn't there so i would have stuff for a short time so i would talk to you today simon and then you know two days time I wouldn't have a clue I wouldn't remember doing this I wouldn't see you and things like that um you know I could walk past you in the street wouldn't have a clue um and then for two years that was a bit like 51st dates the movie um and then for two years I, I lived like that which was really really hard very very challenging um you're always on edge because you're always worried you can you know you're gonna have a good day and you're gonna forget it um you might have a good day and you're glad to forget it you know but there, there are some positives you know I don't remember the mother-in-law it's all good um so you kind of you, you take the rough with the smooth as such but you, I didn't have any choice that was the hard bit um and then yeah so from 2009 to today I'm able to retain memory so I'm kind of 43 years old with uh what 11 12 years of memory as such um which means I'm quite empty in here because I don't have all the baggage and rubbish that the rest of you guys carry around from childhood first girlfriends first dates stuff like that so it's, it's not all bad um and then, yeah, 2012, um, my brother took his life through suicide. Uh, my younger brother, Matt, so I lost him, which was hard. It's, it's hard lose, losing somebody like that anyway. But for me, I'd only known him for three years because from 2009 to 12, I was retaining memory. So losing somebody that you kind of, you know, but don't really know. And, you know, there's 30 odd years of memory and history there, but you don't have it is really hard. Um, and two years later, 2015, sorry, three years later, 23, my mum just literally just drunk herself to death, pretty much. She didn't really deal with my brother's death very well. Um, just, yeah, just drunk. And that was it, really. So she passed away, which was hard. Um, I ended up having a stroke in the middle of all that. We're going through a big change change process at Heathrow. It wasn't handled very well. Um, I really struggled. I just couldn't. My brain was just complete chaos it was all just spaghetti and I just couldn't make sense of a lot of things and then they chucked in another variable that was impacting my life and I just couldn't cope and my brain just kind of again it's like a coping mechanism just shut itself down in the form of a stroke it's just like it's just like a sit down Andy and just sort your sort your stuff out really um but through those I, I've got a really good every cloud has a silver lining slide when I'm doing my presentation it's kind of it's through those traumas that because of my stroke I then couldn't do the driving so 
um, at Heathrow, they put me onto a continuous improvement team. So I then learned a load of science around processing improvement, human being performance, um, psychology, behaviours, um, how people take and operate and all of this kind of stuff. And that's where I did all my learning. And I was like, I should be doing this in the athletics world. This is really cool. This is sports psychology. And so I went, put myself on another couple of courses, got myself you know, really qualified and then went, thank you very much, Heathrow. Gave them two fingers. I'm off. Um, set myself up in business, started working with athletes because I was in that world chance race um up in woking one day um met a couple of young lads and their, their parents who was you know the kids were struggling with their heads started working with those turns out one of their dads is a director at mclaren um can you work with racing drivers i'm like yeah i can do that um don't know much about it but yeah i'll have a go um and yeah started working with a formula two driver and it's you know everything's just gone on from there then met danny you know we, we, we used to race each other many years ago um we've sort of got back in touch so you know danny's like well i do this and i'm like i do this we brought the two together and we're now you know so we're now doing some amazing stuff i'm out racing a car which i love it's it's all good but it's kind of you've got to go through some of that bad stuff to kind of get to where you are today if that makes sense so it's not been easy don't get me wrong I had a full head of hair 20 years ago but you know would I do it again so someone yeah, told you yeah so somebody told me yeah that's the thing I don't remember it's really bloody hard work but you know I've got some photos somewhere but um so, so yes yeah, so it's not it's not been the easiest but no good. I mean I I feel that uh in, in many ways the way that we've come to this moment um of what is uh, has made i mean incredibly inspiring it's perhaps a little bit topsy-turvy the way we've got it in terms of the the, the, the podcast situation yeah. but it, it just completely underpins then what you've subsequently done um it, it, even more amazingly uh, so thank you for sharing that and it leads me on to a question that i like to ask of um so what 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 are you grateful for andy I'm I'm grateful to wake up in the morning because I've kind of I've got an opportunity to make a difference to people. I know what it's like to have lost everything, losing you know losing thirty years of memory, you know not not remembering your mum, your dad, your wife, your kids, all those kinds of things, um, your friends, family, relatives, the whole lot. Um, so I've kind of been at a very 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 dark place where it's just me and the world, and I don't know anybody, I don't remember anybody, and it's like. Yeah. Don't know if I like this, um, you know, then having lost my brother and mum, you know, two key figures in my life is, is really hard. So to kind of to be able to get up in the morning and do what I do and have a positive impact on people's mental health, on their performance is amazing. It's, you know, I wouldn't say it's a gift, but it's um, it's nice to be able to do, you know, and it's, it's great to see an improvement in performance in people's mental health. And, you know, just by talking about, you know, even just talking about my mental health stuff, I get some really cool messages every now and again, where people are like, I was in a really dark place. I was thinking about taking my own life and I've, I've seen your stuff and it's like, it's made me think about it. And I'm like, wow blown away you know so I've always said if you know the purpose of me talking is just just stop one person taking their own life and that for me is is amazing so to have multiple messages over the years is just incredible because I know the impact it has on it's not just that person going it's that that ripple effect through police officers you know the the ambulance drivers fight the, the people that have to find these people in the state they're in and then family friends colleagues it's massive it has a massive you know one person taking a light impacts thousands so, 
grateful for things like this where I can talk about my stuff and go, this is me and this is what I've been through. And people can go, wow, I'd expect, you know, it's, it's quite on the trauma scale. It's, 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 you know, it's on the end of it, but it's, um, but people can relate to it, it's, which is the good thing. So, yeah, I'm just grateful to wake up in the morning sometimes. Yeah, it sounds if I don't wear the be... bed, that's a bonus. Well, yeah, and look, we all discuss purpose, you know, when it, especially when it becomes, <laughs> you know, when it's about high performance. Uh, it sounds like you have a very powerful purpose. Yeah, it's it's all about your why, isn't it? And it is, you know, like I said, I've been on both, both ends of suicide. I've been the policeman that's found bodies and had to then go and deliver the message, the agony message and work through that and do the liaison stuff. And then I've been on the other end where I've got British Transport Police phoning me up saying, I think we've got your brother and you're like oh shit okay um you know so i've been on both ends of it so the 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 impact and the trauma is is horrific it's very very real um so to be able to to help reduce that is is amazing you know and i'm yeah i'm i'm, I'm quite happy talking about that stuff because i know it does have an impact so it's good yeah. not easy uh, but it's good and very much appreciate you uh, you sharing that. And I think that's a topic in itself, isn't it? Um, so to as we sort of start closing in on the end of this um, and, and to completely contradict um, what presumably is some of the saddest moments in, uh, you know, in your life, what what makes you happy? That's a really good question here. And I'm going to completely poo-poo this one, I'm afraid, um, because of because I've still got a dissociative condition as such, I'm extremely dissociated. So I don't really have emotions and feelings like you do. So I, I genuinely don't get what happy feels like because I don't feel it. I'm very gray. I'm very flatlined in my emotions. I may come across as I'm quite up and down and, but um, my emotional state is very, very flatlined. So I don't actually get happy. I don't, I cry, I get, you know, I, I kind of get that, but I don't really get sad. I don't really get th those kinds of emotions that, that you guys and girls have. Um, so I don't really get that. So to say what makes me happy, I don't know, because I'm not, I, I don't get happy. I don't know what it is. Um, I enjoy driving my race car. I must admit, it's the one thing that does put a really big smile on my face. And it's something I'm very, very good at and I enjoy. Um, so when all that comes together and I put in a good performance, I'm happy. Um, I look back at my medals that I've won over the years and I'm like, they're great, but I don't have that emotional, I don't remember it. So I don't know if that was, that's my best race, that's my worst race. I don't know, but um, you know, seeing the kids do stuff is amazing um stuff like that but I, I genuinely don't get happy i'm afraid so it's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a crap answer but, well um, i never I saw that answer it, coming, put it that way <laughs> no it's right yeah i just uh, people don't um you know people see me you know and i'm like i say i'm always positive as much as i can be and i'm always good and i'm always bouncing and it's like but that emotional stuff i don't i don't get i don't understand it i can't i don't have the labels that you know i can't go that's happy that's sad that's that's okay. That's this. That's that. So it's um, yeah, it's all great for me. I'm afraid. So um, sorry about that. No, 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 no. It uh, is what it is, isn't it? Um, so look, yeah. I want to I want to sort of bring us back full circle, um, if I can, and sort of close off with um, reference again to teamwork because um, you know high performance is very much an individual thing, uh, but we've already discussed that. You know, most high performance, if not all. Um, again, it is subjective and relative, but they all have a, a team around them that allow them to do their thing. 
Um, in your in your world, what are three non-negotiable characteristics for someone working with you um, or in your team, uh, recreationally or commercially? Oh, geez. Wow. Three non-negotiables. Bloody hell. I wish I'd have had some warning on that one. Um, oh, crikey. It's got to be, I, I guess, hard work. You've, you've got to put the graft in. It's I'm not going to carry you, I guess. Um, you've got to know your stuff as, as well. You've got to, you know, if, if you're my number one engineer, you've got to know, you've got to know what you're doing because I don't want that car breaking, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to think of it from my racing point of view. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's things like when I, I blew an engine in, in, in my last weekend on the Friday night, uh, last test session, the engine went pop and we were out racing um, less than 15 hours later. And the guys just, mucked in half past four in the afternoon found me a new engine put it in they finished about half 11 midnight we were back out six seven o'clock in the morning so pe people to just get on and crack on um is, is important and it's just this is this is what we've got to do so yeah kind of, i guess focused determined hard work um i like to have a laugh if i can um makes life a bit easier uh, if people laugh at my jokes i'm even more grateful um <laughs> But yeah, so so kind of hard work, graft focused. That's good. Let's go do it. Let's have a good time. If we can have a good time along the way, that's a bonus. So yeah, kind of those three things, I guess. Four things. Yeah, well, seven things. Absolutely. Well, no, there's, there's, there's four or five, but uh, but they're great. I mean, hard work, knowledge, resourcefulness, focus, uh, and expertise. Yeah. I think um, is probably yeah. um, you know really important. Given the analogy that you used there. Yeah. So to finish. What's 2021 looking like for you, Andy? What, what are your expectations? What are you hoping from it? I'm, I'm hoping to get back to getting in rooms with people, if I'm honest. I, I, I can't wait to be standing on a stage doing a, you know, a corporate gig to you know, a couple of hundred, a couple of thousand people. That'd be amazing. Continuing sharing my journey, continuing my, sharing my story talking um hope to be back racing we're just yeah, hoping to be back at the end of may now so the season will start then so it'd be nice to be able to have spectators along to come and watch us race racing on tv as well so it'd be nice to get a podium on the tv so i can do some do some live interviews which would be great um so yeah just getting back to a bit more normality hopefully whatever that's going to look like i know it's not going to be the olden days but be nice to go and have a beer in a garden you know uh things like that but it, it is what it is there's going to be a load more variables and stuff chucked at us that we'll deal with and cope with as and when they come um different variants of this covid stuff who knows um but it's just yeah it's just head down backside up. i'm just focusing on getting fit and ready to go racing in may that's my my focus business stuff is ticking along hopefully you know because i can't do much about that so i don't tend to worry about that too much because that'll come when it comes so uh, once we're allowed back in rooms we'll be buzzing and ready to go and doing what we do best so yeah it's just getting ready for a new normal hopefully uh andy it's been an absolute pleasure um speaking with you no, i, I know we've had phone calls we've had four phone calls prior to this that you and i could get in a room where we're allowed and have a few beers and speak about all of this kind of stuff and then some for for a load more time than we've been uh, than we've got today. So, um, yeah. Thank you, thank you for being transparent. Thank you for being uh, honest. Thank you for sharing, you know, some of your your you know your your own journey. Um, and thank you for hopefully inspiring 
listeners to uh, to you know, crack on and be the best high performers they can. So, um, cheers, Annie, and best of luck with 2021. No, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sam. Really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.